as we're talking this morning, and as Brandon has shared and, you know, really taking these thoughts captive and getting involved in small groups so that, you know, the Lord can speak to you and say, hey, that's not supposed to be there. You know, sometimes that comes by, by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes that comes by the Word. But a lot of times it comes by godly people. And you've got to be around godly people. And you've got to be connected to the body. God has got so many ways of reaching you. And one of the main ways he does it is through the body. So as he had said, and I want to reiterate, get to be a part of a small group. You will not share your heart in this setting. Because you're sitting there listening as I talk. You need to get one-on-one. You need to get two-on-two. You need to get four-on-four. There is so much power that can come out of you sharing your story and someone sharing theirs. Uh, Someone said in our small group this morning about how powerful it is that they can see people have breakthrough when we share our story. And Scripture confirms that, that we overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony. Well, you need to get in a position to be able to hear the testimony and also to be able to give your testimony. Pastor, I don't have a testimony. Well, that's a lie. Are you alive? Have you had any experiences at all? That is testimony. I have lots of experiences. I have lots of experiences just this week. And uh, God is going to use that to help me and help someone else have breakthrough. So this isn't enough. This really isn't the picture just of the picture of church. The picture of church is us connecting. Not sitting and listening to a sermon. It is us connecting and growing and helping and feeding and clothing and crying and connecting. Connect. Church, connect. Take it the next step. This is about to this is Easter month, and people are open to invitations to church. Invite, invite them to small groups, invite them to lunch, invite them to church. Get out and be proactive to grow our church. Somebody say amen. Amen. Grow the church, let's go. Okay, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. We have been talking the last two weeks about the the reasons why our tanks tanks run empty, right? Why your tanks run empty. You You don't look at the gauges, you don't follow the signs, you don't read the owner's manual, you break all the rules, you get overloaded, um, you forget to fill up. There's just a lot of reasons. We don't, we don't notice the E sign, and when we do see it, we don't stop. We don't think it applies to us. So today, I want to start to build that back up. How do you fill the tank? How do you fill your tank? Go to the gas station, don't you? It's funny, I, I have my kids... I've got, uh, we use Murpay. I don't know if you know what Murpay is, but Murphy USA. And I've got an account to where they don't have to have a card. They just have to text in a number and they get a code and they can just get gas. I can follow which cars are getting what. I can see what they're doing. But what's such a funny thing when my kids say, Murpay's down, what do I do? Go to another gas station. How do you do it? Take that card I gave you, shove it in there and get your gas. Dad, help. As silly as that seems, you know, we get off track and we don't know how to fill up. You're running and running and running and here you are at church, don't even know why you're here. You just know things aren't like they, they're not like they're supposed to be. Something's off, so you're looking for something. So today I want to encourage you and try to give you some wisdom on how to fill your tank. 
When you, when you come to me and say, Pastor, me and my boyfriend or me and my girlfriend want to get married, one of the first things I do is I give you guys the book, or I have you go buy the book, um, Five Love Languages. And that's about how to fill your love tank and how to fill your future spouse's love tank. You better learn how to fill it because if you don't learn, your way of filling the tank is not the way my spouse's needs to be filled and I wind up putting the wrong gas in her. There's a lot of funny puns to go along with that. But when I fill it wrong, her tank does not get full. She goes empty. And it's not her fault. It's my fault. It's my job as the husband to fill her tank. Somebody say amen. You don't want somebody else filling your wife's tank. Do you hear me? We can laugh and we can have fun, but that's the problem with marriage is we're not filling each other's tank. And let me tell you, if you're not filling your tank spiritually, you're getting it full somewhere else. And now we've got a problem. We're listening to the wrong voices. We're hanging out with the wrong, in the wrong environments. We're caught in the wrong place at the wrong time. David did that. Man after God's own heart was supposed to be at war. But what was he doing? He was filling his tank up on his roof, not at war, not doing what God had called him to do and looking at a naked woman. And let me tell you, his tank got full. And it cost him everything. A man after God's own heart. You are not the bad one. We are created by God. We are God's creation. He loves us. But if left on our own, we fill our tanks with the wrong thing. So how do we fill the tank? Matthew chapter 11. And it's simple. It's simple. Matthew, chapter 11. And I don't have the scripture, I don't think. I'm going to just give it to you. Uh, Liz, will you go find it real quick? Matthew, chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Are you tired, worn out, burned out? I don't want the message. Will you give me uh, New King James? Can you switch that real quick? I'm sure I had that in there for. Hey, you're so fast. So let's get simple. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Can we please slow down? Come to me. I want to give you a different translation. It says, if you're tired... If you're tired from carrying heavy burdens, come to me and I will give you rest. So let's just dive right in. I'm going to give you five or six steps on how to fill the tank. Number one, get fed up. It, it sounds easy. You can say, dude, I'm there. Get fed up with how you've been living. I'm talking about getting fed up with how I've been living. You've got to get dissatisfied. Nothing happens in your life until you get dissatisfied with the way that things are. Are you willing to live in a rut? Are you willing to live stressed out? Are you willing to live overextended? Are you willing to live being sick and tired of being sick and tired? If you are willing, what I mean is, you may say, no, I'm not, but yet you can just continue doing it and doing it and doing it. 
if you are willing, you are going to stay there. If you're not making any adjustments to get out, then you're willing. No one would say it out loud, I'm willing to be in a rut. No, I wouldn't say that. That's stupid. But are you willing to get out? How many of you know that if you get your car stuck in the ditch, it takes effort to get it out? It doesn't just come out. Pete once stuck his truck, (laughs) and it was bad. I thought I could show up and just with another vehicle pull it out. No way. It was bad. He really got it stuck. And he needed help. And he didn't want to call. <laughs> but how, how bad did he want it out? He could have just left it there. I wouldn't have known it. He's got it in his own apartment. He could have rode his bike all he wanted. Never known. I would have known because it, it's a gas guzzler. And I would have noticed my gas, t- my gas account would have been kind of grown. But are you willing? You can go through this whole series of filling the tank. More sane, more peaceful, significant rather than stressed. Or you could hear this and agree with it and do nothing about it. A year from today, still be stressed out, still be tired, be overloaded. Why? Because you didn't get fed up. Nothing happens until you get dissatisfied and said, I'm not going to live like this any longer. I want to encourage you just for a second. Making a real big, huge lifestyle change is almost impossible. Most people will not change. But I want you to know, this is going to sound like a coined churchy expression. All things are possible through Christ who strengthens me. I can change. I can overcome. There is nothing in my life that is stronger than the power of Christ in me. Now, you may not believe that because you're believing a lie that there's no way you can overcome where you are, but I want you to know that's a lie. And you need to get around other people that can encourage you and say, whoa, I have been there. I have done that, and I know how to get out. And if you're willing, I will walk with you. Not only will I walk with you, but Christ will walk with you. And will never leave you. Will never leave you stranded will never not equip you. His mercy, his grace is sufficient for what you're going through. It may not feel like it, but what you feel like doesn't really apply. That feeling can be a lie. What causes us to be unsatisfied? What causes us to be dissatisfied? What causes us to finally make that change? Pain. Everybody say pain. You know, it's funny, this morning, I didn't mean to go into this, but someone said, when was talking about pain and how through pain God had led them through a thing, and I said, I don't believe God was in the pain, but I do believe God was in leading you. And someone said, you know what? Pain's not a bad thing. We all consider pain to be bad, but when I get an ache in my knee, my knee is trying to tell me, stop doing what you're doing. Don't keep doing that, or do it differently. Or let me rest for just a little bit because you're wearing me out. But what we do is we just keep on going. What we do is we take some ibuprofen to cover it. I want to feel you, but I'm not going to fix you and I'm going to keep abusing you. It's what we do in our minds. It's what we do in our jobs. It's what we do in our marriage. Let's go take a pill. Let's go to a conference and maybe feel, hold hands while we go and nod our heads, but then make no change, but expect our marriage to be different. 
It's what's happening with church. Let's go and let's feel good. and Let's kind of check the box of doing the spiritual thing, but let's not make any changes, but expect God to move miraculously. God's like, I will, but you've got to follow my will. My will has been given to you in my word, and if you'll follow my word, I will do everything it says, I promise. But if you're not doing my word, I'm not fulfilling your word. I'm not fulfilling your stupid. I don't mean that mean. I will fulfill my word. You do my word, you do my plan, and you you don't even have to do it perfectly, just try. If you'll just try, I'll meet you. All it takes is just a mustard seed of try, and I'll fulfill the rest. Doors will open. Birds will chirp. The sun will come out. And your life will be different. But you have a part to do. What does it take to get dissatisfied? Because I want you to know, it takes pain. We don't change when we see the light. We change when we feel the heat. You won't pull your hand off until it burns you. And when the heat gets hot enough and you end up in the hospital and you're flat on your back, sometimes God has to lay you flat on your back to make you look up at it. Psalm 23, this is what we got into this morning in our small group. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. I I have wrestled with this this week. He makes me lie down. So one of of our people in our group this morning had shared about how an illness had basically caused them to literally get taken out of what they were doing. And I just shared, I don't believe God's in that illness, but I believe God was in the part of getting you in a position to where you would stop doing what you were doing. God is a part of what we're doing, and he's trying to lead us to him. And it says that he makes us to lie down in green pastures. That makes me. That's what I kind of want to chew on a little bit. You know, as I walk through things and I look through some destructive things that have happened in my life, but God came through miraculously. I don't believe that he did the destruction. I don't believe that he did the, you know, some part of it in my life was sin. He wasn't a part of the sin, but he was sure a part of the recovery. That was part of my story. Because sometimes I'm not smart enough to lay down on my own. The shepherd has to make the sheep lay down. Because I've done too much. I need to recharge. I need to refuel. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, if you're tired of carrying heavy burdens. Is that you? If you can say yes then get fed up and make a change. If you're tired of carrying heavy burdens, if you're tired of running on empty, if you're fed up with the pace of your life, are you willing to do something about it? Will you say, I'm gonna change. I refuse to live this way any longer. Something's gonna break. Listen to me, church. Something's gonna break if I don't change. You know, if you'll make the decision to change, you won't break. You'll get breakthrough. We're praying for breakthrough. Get fed up. Make a change. 
if you don't get fed up with the pace that this culture is teaching us, get two choices, break down or break through. And you know, it's normal for famous Americans to, to take their lives through suicide. Success, successful but worn out people. Successful but stressed, famous but not fulfilled, has lots of money but has no meaning. A lot to live on but nothing to live for. And we see this and this is increasing. And I want you to know, it's not just in adults, it's not just in famous people. It's now sneaking into our, it's not sneaking in, it's been in our high schools. Now it's sneaking into our middle schools. This isn't going in the right direction. It is spiraling into the wrong direction. And something I want to kind of identify as cell phones. You know what cell phones do? They're comparison tools. And I'd never seen this until I started studying this part. Instagram and Facebook is a way to compare your life to someone else's. And it's a way to feel like somebody else has got it better than you've got it. And what's funny is what we post is either the best version of ourself or a made-up version of ourself. What you're comparing to isn't reality. And these things that we're carrying around can cause this chasm in our hearts that can't be filled. You can't feel, feel that. So either break down or break through. You've got to get fed up. So if you'd say this morning, okay, Pastor Paul, I'm fed up. All right, you're fed up. What are we going to do? What's the next step? Number two, and this is the one I'll end with this morning. Go. Come to Jesus. We all say that. Say, come to Jesus. Jesus in this passage gives three verbs. He says, come, take, learn. He says, come to me. And bring me the good in your life, the bad in your life, the frustrating in your life, the painful in your life, the shameful in your life, the exhausting in your life, everything. Come to me. And I will give you a sermon. I will give you a pill. I will give you rest. Who needs rest? Now, I want you to notice, come to me and I will give you rest. That's the second phrase. Here's the second step to refueling your tank. Come to Jesus. I want you to know who you're coming to. And I want you to know what he promises to give you. First, who are you coming to? It doesn't say, come to church. Listen to me, church, and I want you to come to church. We need more to come to church. But that is not what he's saying. He's not saying come to religion. He's not saying come to rules. He's not saying come to rituals or regulations. 
The antidote for the stress and the overload that you feel in your life is not a plan for time management. I can tell you that if I'm left on my own, I would structure everything. It would be spreadsheets and time charts. And, and I'm sorry, that does not work. Not only do I go crazy, but I drive everyone around me crazy. If my wife were here, she would say, amen. She is in Birmingham at another volleyball thing. It's our last one. She texted me this yesterday and said, I am so done with this. And I just did a little cry face emoji. It's not a program for stress relief. It's not a philosophy. It's not a pill. It's a person. It's a relationship. You need a relationship with Jesus. That may sound so foreign. Again, that's why you need to be connected to people. You need a relationship with God's people. Part of the way that I build my relationship with Christ is building my relationship with his people. You may say, wait a minute. I don't see that. Once you know, go back and read what Jesus said were the top two things you need to focus on. Anybody remember? It's really the only two things you need to remember. All the other things will get themselves worked out if we will fulfill these two things. Love God. And love each other. If you truly love God, you will begin to love people. If, you, if you're saying, I've got the come to Jesus part, but I don't have the other part yet. Wait a minute. I'd say you've got the come to Jesus part messed up if you're not loving people. We think we've got these things handled. But we need to look at the word and let the word reflect back to us and say, okay, can I really be genuine in my thoughts and in my, the, the way that I'm processing this? God told me to love him and love others. It's a relationship. Come to me. Now, people come to Jesus for all different kinds of things. They come for forgiveness. They come for healing. They come for advice. They come for eternal life. They come for food. Some come to criticize. Some come to question. Some come as skeptics. You know, the thing is, Jesus didn't care how you came. He just wanted you to come. I can tell you that when I started to get into the word regularly, I came with the wrong attitude. I felt like I was being forced into it, and I was just doing it just to get somebody off my back, my wife. I was in ministry, and I was not reading the word daily, and she just, like she can, asked me some questions that I felt like she was kind of sticking a knife in and turning it a little bit. And I thought, all right, I'll read the Bible, doggone it. Get off my back. And it changed my life. God met me right there, knowing I was coming with the wrong attitude. Can't even say I was completely engaged. But when I came to the Word, I came to Christ. And He changed me. He continues to change me. What I started that day outside of Ivy Lane, we lived there 
starting, I think, in 90, I don't remember, 93, 94, and lived there for 13 years. And I sat out in one of those pop-up chairs and began reading the one-year Bible. I remember the day. I remember my stubborn, I'm going to stand on this, and you've made me mad, and this is why I'm doing it, and I'm going to remember this forever. I remember it. That was a life change. God had mercy on me and changed me. Even with, when my approach was wrong. Listen, we're imperfect people. Most of our approaches are going to be wrong. But as long as we're approaching the right person, he's going to correct it. He's going to fix me. He's going to change me. But will you get fed up enough and come to Jesus? It says in John verse 6 verse 37... Whoever comes to me, I will never reject. You're here today and you'd say, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how I think. You don't know what I'm about to do. You don't know the damage that I've created. You don't know the baggage that I'm bringing. This may seem too, too good to be true, but God knows. Christ that we're talking about this morning, he already knows. And he already paid the price for you. Your price has been paid for what you've done and what you ever will do. Your part today is to come to him and to let him set you free of all that stuff. God has set me free from my stuff. And let me tell you, I've got a lot. I probably look like I've got it all together, but those of y'all that know me, no. Mm, not so much. He needs Christ. He will never reject me. No matter what I come with. We sang that song for so many years. I'm sure it's still being sang, just as I am. I can come just as I am. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. All who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. It says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29. He says, he gives me power. He gives power to those who are tired and worn out. And he offers strength to the weak. It says in Isaiah 40 verse 31, But those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. Do you realize that the exact opposite of what the American culture would teach you? It says that when you're empty inside, all around the world the culture says, Go. Go do stuff. Go fill it with activity. When you're feeling empty on the inside, you need to have more. You need to be more. You need to do more. You need to go more, and that will fill you up. How's that working for you? It doesn't fill the emptiness. The culture says go. Jesus says come. Just as you are. I'm going to close with Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. This is from the message. 
Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God. And you will begin to sense His grace. Isn't that so good? Did you even catch that? Get fed up. Slow down. Get quiet before the Lord. And you will sense His grace. He will give you rest. Jehovah Shalom will give you peace. A peace beyond your own understanding. But you have to make a change. You guys stand up with me. Make a change. Father, I just pray for mercy and grace. Lord, this is such a deep scripture that we just so quickly will just dismiss. As you're bowing your heads and trying to get your heart turned to the Lord, just ask yourself and ask the Lord, Am I overloaded? Am I stressed? Are things going the wrong way? And if any of that is yes, just a very simple step for you today is to just to come to Jesus. Just get away from everyone. Get, go get the word. Get to praying. You used to say, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. Well, let me walk you through a prayer. Father God, I'm trying to just slow everything down and come to you. Lord, I may not even know you, but your word says that if I'm, if I'm carrying burdens that are too heavy and I just can't make it to come to you. And Jesus, this is my attempt to come to you. I just wait on you this morning. And I just ask you to fill me with your spirit. I'm going to grab your word and try to read it here in just a minute. And I ask you to speak to me through your word. God, place godly people around me. And Lord, let me have enough wisdom to listen. Father God, I'm in such great need and I need you so badly. I need you to move in my life. And I just take your word literally, and your word says, come to me. God, I come to you. Thank you, Lord. You may be here this morning, and you may say, I don't even know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Right where you sit, come to him. Ask him into your heart. Ask him into your life. Confess him as Lord of your life. Turn your heart this morning to following him. He says that all that call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Christ died 
and rose again, you will be saved. Receive Christ this morning. Now, Father, as we've come to you, I am believing for breakthrough, that we do not break, but, Lord, that we, we receive breakthrough. You give us great ideas. You put great people in our, in our path. And, Lord, when people are trying to save us, that we would accept it and get in the boat. Not keep waiting and waiting and waiting, but get in the boat. Let us recognize your move, and Lord, let us begin to walk according to your word. Thank you, Lord, for breakthrough. God, give us a great week. Bless us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.